Well, they're going to open the wrecks up for us because I'm probably getting rid of a handful of people. I'm going to gut the place and then leave. I feel like that's a good strategy. <laughs> just like uh, just like Aaron Rodgers did to the Packers. <laughs> kind of get rid of everybody and then be like, oh, I got to go. Bye. <laughs> I guess the difference is you're not taking any of these people with you. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't even want them here. Yeah. <laughs> Two best of friends. No, oh, wait, keep your shirt on. It's just a typo. Stop. You are freaking ridiculous. Who think they know football? The Chiefs. Or the Colt. Or, wow, the Chargers. There we go. Stop thinking, just read. Bring you unprecedented access to the NFL world. Mike White is now on my fantasy roster and maybe starting over Russell Wilson. <laughs> I spent $25 to get Jacoby Brissett. Because here, it's real football by real fans. Like a disturbance in the force. As a flip Kingsbury <laughs> suddenly cried out in a silence. The 2M Football Show starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome back into another exciting episode of the 2M Football Podcast. Is every episode as exciting as this? I don't know. I mean, they're all exciting. I'll say that. But uh, there's certainly different levels of excitement. And I know I feel my own personal excitement ramping up as we get closer and closer to the actual uh, season. It's like tomorrow. That's how bad our scheduling's been. So, yeah, we're just five days away uh, from our fantasy draft. Um, You're picking number one, by the way, as we mentioned before. You want to just go ahead and make that pick on air now, live? Why are you so obsessed with me picking right now? Just asking. <laughs> also, as you, I'll take that as a no. Also, as you referenced, um, we're just nine days away now from the season's opening game. Um, before we get there, we've got some work to do on the show. And speaking of which, today it will be our final division previews episode. We've got the NFC West and then bringing it on home to the NFC North. Uh, but first, a little bit of news has come out in the past few days as the preseason is fully wrapped up. Uh, the latest in the Jonathan Taylor Colts saga, they've given him permission to seek a trade. Uh, apparently, yes. the asking price is a first-round pick or equivalent. Uh, this is all based on reporting that nobody knows if it's accurate or not. But apparently, six teams were interested. Two actually made an offer, including the Dolphins, which was declined. Um, but they also said um, that today is their self-imposed deadline from the Colts to get a deal done. So uh, we should be hearing something soon, maybe even while we're recording. <gasps> Let me check my phone. No, nothing yet. Bunch of kicker, <laughs> bunch of kicker trades happening, which is kind of strange. Uh, but nothing on Jonathan Taylor yet. So stay tuned. Uh, the next bullet point I have here on Trey Lance, who was first demoted to third on the 49ers depth chart behind both Brock Purdy and Sam Darnold. But then he was shockingly traded to the Cowboys of all teams uh, for a fourth round pick. That's insane. This whole, yeah, this whole Trey Lance situation has been just wild. First round pick a few years ago gets hurt. They bring in Darnold, you know, with some veteran experience. That train wreck kind of ran its course. And then, like, Purdy comes in out of nowhere and, like, becomes a superstar. And it feels like that's who they're rallying around. Yeah. 
So I want to say no pressure, my guy, but he kind of set himself up last year. It is crazy. I mean, not only was Lance a first-round pick, he was the third pick overall in that draft. The 49ers traded away a bunch of assets to go to get the number three pick so they could take him. And then, yeah, I mean, how many games did he even start for them? Four? But here's the – look at the value. They got – they traded him to the Cowboys for a fourth round. This was a third overall. Mm Mm-hmm. And they gave him away for a fourth. Yeah. (laughs) It's weird. Either the Cowboys got a steal or the Niners really blew it on that pick. I mean, can you imagine if if Purdy wasn't as good as he turned out to be last year? Like, they would have been in uh, some hot water. The the GM who made this trade and then also maybe even Shanahan. But the way it stands, they're happy with Purdy. Of course, why not? He won every single game he started for them last year in the regular season. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this just shows their confidence in him. And for the Cowboys side, it's interesting. I mean, he'll probably be third string for them, too, because obviously they've got Dak locked into a long-term contract. Uh, they've got Cooper Rush, who was like, what, 5-1 and one as a starter last year when Dak was hurt. So I'm assuming Lance is going to start out at least behind um, both of those guys. But it's one for the future, I guess, for them. If he, maybe he'll, you know, maybe five years down the line when Dak is declining and that contract is finally up. I don't know. <laughs> That's It's weird. The whole thing's a crazy situation. But uh, pressure's on Brock Purdy, but also off in a way because he doesn't have that you know, no one's going to be clamoring for Sam Darnold if if Purdy gets off to a rocky start, where they might have been for um, Lance potentially, if that were to happen. Right. So that was some big news there. Um, some unfortunate injury news for the Broncos. Jerry Judy. This is like the third receiver they've lost this offseason to injury. Injury was carted off the practice field last week. Turns out it's a hamstring injury, but a relatively major one. He's going to miss some regular season time. And that's the list of. You know, K.J. Hamler, um, Tim Patrick, who tours ACL, and it's looking dicey in this uh, receiving room already. A receiving group that didn't look too shabby like three weeks ago. I know. It looked like a deep strength of the team, but yeah, I don't know. The, the Russell Wilson redemption might be on hold. The, yeah, uh, if he has no receivers, you really can't pin that one on him. Gonna be makes it difficult for any quarterback, yes. The Buccaneers also lost their starting center, Ryan Jensen. Um, a complication of the same knee injury that kept him out a, a lot of time last year. He'll miss the entire season this year. So that's a big blow to that offensive line. Uh, some A couple more injury things. Some announcements, some PUP announcements from teams, like who, what players they're going to put on that physically unable to perform list. Uh, Von Miller of the Bills will be placed on that list to start the season, meaning he'll miss at least the first four games. And same with Kyler Murray of the Cardinals. We don't really have a clear timeline when he's going to be back from his ACL injury last year, but we know it won't be within the first four weeks now. And just to end the news segment on a little bit of positive note, Josh Jacobs ends his holdout, and he has rejoined the Raiders on a one-year, $12 million contract. Let's hope they can hammer something out long-term. San Francisco 49ers, who were 13-4 and uh, last season. Trey Lance was the week one starter, which you may not remember. The way we're talking about him <laughs> feels like a long time ago. 
But unfortunately, he suffered a season-ending ankle injury just in week two. Jimmy Garoppolo took over for the next 10 games before he got injured as well, hurt his foot, and missed the rest of the season. Then it was down to Brock Purdy, the third stringer, the very last pick in the draft last year, which ended up not being an issue as they won each of his six regular season starts en route to the division win and a playoff berth. They also made a midseason trade for Christian McCaffrey, a star running back from the Panthers that we kind of questioned at the time, but it, it has already paid dividends. He was amazing for them. So, yeah, they got to the playoffs, just absolutely demolished the Seahawks in the wild card, uh, survived the Cowboys in a, in a close game in the divisional round before they took on the Eagles. Looked like a really exciting matchup in the NFC Championship game until Brock Purdy hurt his elbow really early on. Uh, backup Josh Johnson, question mark, I think. I'm just going to come back to this and verify that. I think it was Josh Johnson came in, uh, but he quickly got hurt too, and it was a concussion where he was ruled out. They put McCaffrey at quarterback, a few snaps. He's like their emergency backup, I guess. Um, but eventually they did bring Purdy back in, even though he physically could not throw the ball, and every game was a handoff. All those injuries meant the game was over by halftime. So unfortunately, Which is terrible because yeah. they were giving them a run for their money until Purdy got hurt. Yeah, there was, I mean, it was such a good matchup on paper that we didn't get to see fully play out. Um, but the biggest takeaway from the season was Purdy playing so well. And even before the Trey Lance trade, they had announced that Purdy was the week one starter for 2023 as well. Going into this offseason, they lost uh, starting right tackle Mike McGlinchey. Jimmy Garoppolo skipped town uh, finally after a couple of years of that being in the balance. He is now a Las Vegas Raider. And then Jimmy Ward, their safety, also departed in free agency. They brought in uh, Javon Hargrave, defensive tackle, Isaiah Oliver, corner, Sam Darnold, who we mentioned, quarterback who has earned the backup job. And then in the draft, they didn't have a pick until the third round, 87th overall, where they took G. Ayer Brown out of Penn State. I didn't even write down his position. Good job. <laughs> Quality notes as always. As always. Thanks for your thanks for proofreading. <laughs> so uh, coming into this season, how are you feeling about San Francisco? I mean, I think you touched on it briefly at the beginning here of this section, but it almost seems like any quarterback can have some success in Shanahan's system. Yeah. But you have to look at the players around them, too, which is incredible. Devo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, you've got George Kittle, the addition of Christian McCaffrey. I mean, you could argue this is one of the most potent offenses in terms of just the number of known players around them. Yeah. Uh, on top of that, what breeds success is they had a phenomenal defense. So one of the more well-rounded teams. Yeah, so for really sure. it's all in. And like, and as I mentioned earlier, it kind of puts the pressure on Purdy. I mean, he did so well last year that he beat out and basically forced third overall pick a few years ago out of town yeah like you have to perform now but i think he's set up to do well definitely yeah i think they'll be favorites to win the division again and uh, if Purdy does 
do well again and, you know, kind of keep going on this path. It could be one of the, you know, most kind of unlikely underdog stories ever in the league. People always talk about Brady being a sixth round pick. I mean, you obviously can't compare them yet, but not only was Purdy a seventh round pick, but he was the actual last pick in the draft, which is just amazing. It's like that last kid on the on the playground getting picked teams and ends up being a stud. I mean, those are the stories that people clamor to, right? Like you said, Brady being a sixth round pick. Nobody really thought anything of him. And then look what he went on to do. Mm-hmm. Now, even if Purdy has just a fraction of the success, it's still an incredible story. Last it pick is, of the right. draft. Yeah. And Last look at what you're doing. So, mm. You know what? Another unlikely story last year in the same division. How about Geno Smith? And the Seahawks, who were nine. Man, and like if days. you were going to write a script, you couldn't have wrote a better story. <laughs> if you were going to, you could argue they did, right? That's what uh, the Federian Foster said, and that's what uh, all the memes are about now. Which I love that they've just completely leaned into uh, the league. That's it's just so funny. Well, they absolutely own that to a T, to the point where they're <laughs> writing skits for the beginning of the season yes. now. Yes, that was one of the funniest things. Uh, all right, so yeah, the Seahawks. It, it looked like they were about to enter a rebuild after trading away their franchise quarterback, Russell Wilson, last summer. Uh, But then Geno Smith came in and he proved all the doubters wrong, and this team was a playoff team instead. The way they did it was interesting, though. This team used to make their their hay on defense for a lot of the past decade, you know, Legion of Boom and all that. But it really became skewed towards an offense that was powered by Kenneth Walker, the rookie running back, Geno Smith, and then their dynamic receiving duo of DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And in a, you know, speaking of the script, this part was written perfectly. Week one last year, they played against Russ and his new team, the Broncos, won that game against all expectations and just, they went on to win a lot of games no one expected uh, them to win. But the one team they couldn't beat was the 49ers we just talked about, who defeated them three times over the course of the season, including the wild card of the playoffs, which ended their ended the Seahawks year. Still, all, a all things aside, like you can't, you couldn't have planned that any better. I mean, nobody no. thought Gino, everyone thought Gino was going to be a stopgate, right? Like, yeah. Well, he'll hold the position down until they can get somebody. Then he's like. This is an opportunity I may not get again. And he completely owned it. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, This offseason, they didn't really have any notable free agent losses. They brought in Draymond Jones, defensive end. Bobby Wagner comes back uh, after a year with the Rams, uh, the linebacker. They also signed Devin Bush, another linebacker. And, uh, I mean, the best part is, in part, thanks to that Broncos trade, they had two first round picks. So they were a playoff team and they had two first round picks to improve things. Fifth overall, they took Devon Witherspoon, cornerback out of Illinois. And then they had the 20th pick as well, which they used on Jackson, Smith and Jigba, wide receiver out of Ohio State. Two guys that, you know, they hope will make an impact right away. Overall, look into their 2023 prospects. Uh, you know, Geno's back. They they bolstered the offensive depth with the draft pick of JSN, that receiver, although apparently he could miss the first few weeks with a hand injury. Uh, but they also took in the draft another exciting running back, Zach Charbonnet, that people are talking about a lot. So he and Kenneth Walker will make a make up most of the running back room. And they took a few swings at improving the defense. 
So, uh, you know, I'm intrigued. They traded away their franchise quarterback and, and haven't missed a beat. So let's hope uh, a certain team around where we live can do something. I simple. think I made the comment last year a couple of times, but like it almost I don't want to say this this way, but I don't know how else to say it. Okay. It almost devalues what Russell Wilson did, because the whole point of a franchise quarterback is they become so hard to replace. Right. You get yeah. rid of them. And the team struggles for a few years while they kind of figure out either a new identity like Pittsburgh, right? Pittsburgh's sure. trying to redefine its identity because they don't have the gunslinger of Big Ben in the pocket anymore. Here we thought, okay, the mobile magic wand wielding Russell Wilson's gone. This is going to be a terrible, like, this is going to be rough for Seahawks fans. And nothing really changed. <laughs> yeah. They did just fine. I mean, they had a they had a ghost leaning over their shoulder with, you know, the Niners kind of having their number. But besides that, this team defied all expectations. Yeah, they were just fine. And look, look what happened to Russ. He's yeah, and then your like... franchise quarterback goes to another team and just, uh, you could have fooled me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, super interesting. Seahawks are one of the biggest storylines of last year. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, too, how they how they build on it now. Next up are the Los Angeles Rams, 5-12, third place last year. Super Bowl hangover for the ages, as this team uh, looked bad out of the gate, but then had some injuries to Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford, among others, which quickly made this a lost season for the – is this right? Is that last year they were the defending Super Bowl champions? Yeah, right? Sure, we'll go with that. It's time it for you to make a mistake like. that I usually do. Their Super Bowl win already seems like a long time ago. <laughs> uh, and yeah, the offense was dead last in yards per game. So that just tells you. Uh, in the offseason, they traded away Jalen Ramsey, the star corner, to the Dolphins. They traded away Allen Robinson to the Steelers. Um, but that one's not going to be a loss at all. He did he did absolutely nothing for them last year. Uh, they also lost their kicker, Matt Gay, Odell Beckham Jr., and Leonard Floyd, outside linebacker. And they didn't do much in terms of additions either. They brought in Demarcus Robinson in free agency, and then with the draft, they didn't pick until the second round, uh, where they took Steve Avila, guard out of TCU, and then in the third round, they came back with Byron Young, edge rusher out of Tennessee. So, outlook. 2023 outlook. Uh, well, <laughs> Stafford is back, despite uh, those scary neck injuries that had people. I don't know if he pondered retirement, but, you know. I think the did. rumors were kind of <laughs> yeah. circulated as soon as they happened. Like, I, man, those look pretty bad. Like, he could be done. Yeah. But he's back. He's back. Cooper Cup is back, uh, even though he's actually injured at the moment. But he's expected ready for the regular season. So we'll want to keep an eye on as our fantasy draft approaches. Um, so they've got those two guys. But that's about it, honestly. They've got a super iffy offensive line. Uh, not much wide receiver or running back depth behind Cam Akers, who's apparently back and in favor uh, to be the start. They're favored to be, to be the starting running back, even though there were times last year where they were trying to trade him. There was talk they might cut him, but he's still on the team and might be the starting running back. The defense has a ton of holes besides Aaron Donald. 
Uh, so yeah, I don't think, I don't think it's going to go well for the Rams this year. <laughs> Let's say that. Yeah, it's, uh, I think like you're looking at a record of like eight and nine, maybe. I'll be lucky. Best if, yeah. if McVay pulls, you know, the rabbit out of the hat here and makes <laughs> some magic happen. Yeah. But yeah. weirder things have happened with less, so. That is true, and there's at least one team in the division that was worse than them last year. That probably be worse again this year. I think so. The four and thirteen Cardinals last year. God, remember just a few years ago, Mike, you made this prediction: the Cardinals <laughs> were going to be awesome. <laughs> they had like one season since then, haven't they? I don't think I used the word awesome. <laughs> Actually, I have no memory of this at all. I've never, I've never liked the Cardinals as a team. <laughs> I don't know what you're even talking about. <laughs> uh, last year, they got blown out 44-21 at home against Mahomes and the Chiefs on opening weekend. And um, so it was all downhill from even that low point in which they started. Kyler Murray tore his ACL in week 12 with the team already sinking at 4-7. and seven. And they ended the year on a seven-game losing streak with guys like Colt McCoy, Trace McSorley, and David Blau playing quarterback. Uh, how about on the other household names? How about, yeah, right. How about on the other side of the ball? Their defense was also the second worst, allowing 26 points per game. Um, although it should be noted that I think a disproportionate number of those points allowed were actually from the <laughs> offense throwing pick sixes with their terrible quarterback. So really, they were only the fifth worst overall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Much better. Uh, and it was so bad that Cliff Kingsbury, their coach, fresh off a co- Contract extension last offseason was actually fired instead after the year. Uh, and their GM, Steve Kimes, stepped down as well. So, wow. <laughs> what a season. Uh, and then in the offseason, DeAndre Hopkins, their star wide receiver, they allowed him to walk in free agency. Zach Allen, defensive end. Byron Murphy, cornerback. And like we touched on at the top, Kyler Murray is going to miss at least the first four games uh, with recovering still from his ACL tear. They have a new head coach, Jonathan Gannon, who was the defensive coordinator in Pittsburgh the last few years. Brought in Kaiser White, outside linebacker. What did I say? You said Pittsburgh. It's Philly. Oh, Philly. Sorry. Thank you. (laughs) And I'm looking up their draft right now because for some reason I didn't um, write that down. Quality content right here. The Cardinals are so bad that um, the baseball team, St. Louis Cardinals, is the only thing that pops up if you if you don't include the uh, the city. Okay, and then in the draft this past year, the Cardinals. You know what? Never mind. Just cut this segment. I still can't figure out why my default browser is Bing, or default search engine. This is quality content right here. So I'm going to have it noted. This is going to be titled Mike uses Bing and it fails. <laughs> As it has for anybody who's ever accidentally used it, because that's the only reason you even would is by accident. <clears throat> All right. Why is it so complicated? Just get a list of their draft picks. Okay. They had the six overall pick, which they used on Paris Johnson Jr. out of Ohio State. Offensive tackle, uh, second round, 41st overall. They took B.J. Ojulari, edge rusher out of LSU. 
So there you go. That was the most complicated lookup, I think, ever. I hope it was worth it. <laughs> I mean, I was on the edge of my seat. I was on the edge of mine just out of pure frustration and anger. Uh, all right. So 2023 outlook. They're favored to have the number one draft pick next year, which pretty much tells you what you need to know. <laughs> they're, they're awful. We don't Thank even know you who Vegas they're. for putting those odds up there for us. <laughs> they don't. We don't even know who their week one starting quarterback will be, because uh, Gannon. I hate when guys do this because it's so dumb. He, he thinks they have a competitive advantage by not telling us who the quarterback is going to be. Honestly, this might be a case that he doesn't even know because if I'm being if I'm being fair to, to Jonathan Gannon, he walked into the, like, <laughs> just a mess. He did. Here's here are the options. So they just traded for Joshua Dobbs, who was the Browns like third string guy. So it's either gonna be him or rookie Clayton Toon. Oh, David Blau is still on the team. So it's gonna be one of those three guys. <laughs> Well, Dobbs and Blau at least have some starting experience. Yeah, true. But I don't know. I'm sure it would make a huge difference to uh, whoever their week one opponent is, which one of those terrible options it's going to be under center. It's a good job, Gannon. Definitely advantage Cardinals in that matchup now. With that said, let's take a quick break. Come back for our final division. Bing provides no value to society. Okay, anyway, and we're back to our football podcast here. Uh, Mike and Matt with you discussing. We're about to get into our final division in this breakdown series, the NFC North, bringing it back home to uh, it's our... It's like we bring it home every year. Every year, yeah, we have to end here. <laughs> if there's one consistent thing besides... I don't know where I was going with that. I, was gonna say I think that's the only... I think that's it. That's I just... think that's the only consistent thing. <laughs> Is we end with our home division. Last year, this division was won by the 13 and 4 Minnesota Vikings. It was a crazy year for them. Everyone probably has heard this stat by now, but just to reiterate it so 13 wins, 11 of them were one score games, and the team actually had a negative point differential uh, at the end of the season. And this was because, you know, all their wins were close ones, and they got absolutely blown out of the water in a couple of their losses. Probably I should, I mean, I'm sure this is the follow-up. It's got to be the first ever playoff division winner to have a negative point differential, right? Except for one of those, like, you know, seven. I don't know. Wasn't it just like three, four years ago, the the NFC East was like the loser went to the postseason. So, okay, maybe division winner is not the right way to quantify it then. But how about, has there ever been a 13 and 14 with a losing, with a negative point differential? I'm sure there hasn't. That's just unbelievable. (laughs) Well, the biggest. I, mean, I think they have, you know, a couple of people to thank for their success, though. I can think of at least two: Mr. Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson, their quarterback and receiver, respectively. Yeah, that poor guy gets nothing but made fun of, but he's so consistent. I don't know what the hate is all about. I don't know, and his appearing on that Netflix uh, quarterback show this this summer hasn't really helped either. I think it just reinforced it for people, like just like, oh, he's so boring. But I kind of liked it. I thought he came off pretty well on there. <laughs> anyway. You don't have to be a party guy. Like, you don't have to be, you know, Gronkowski. But, like, you win. <laughs> I mean, he had some help, though. 
Uh, he did. And overall, they had a top 10 offense. Um, <clears throat> the defense was really what let them down last year. A really young group of guys that gave up the second most yards per game in the in the whole NFL. They did make the playoffs as division winners, hosted the Giants in the wild card, but were promptly ousted from the postseason in a 31-24 loss. Uh, it was Daniel Jones' first ever playoff game on the other side, and he just shredded this Vikings defense with 300 pass yards, 78 more rush yards. Um, in addition to Saquon Barkley's two rushing touchdowns, uh, including what would end up being the game winner halfway through the fourth quarter. I think what this game will be most remembered for, though, at least for me, it is. They had Cousins had one last chance to tie the game. They were down seven at that point. And then came that infamous fourth and eight play where he just dumped it off short to the tight end, TJ Hawkinson, who was instantly swarmed for <laughs> no gain to end this season. Just a gross way to go out. Well, it's just unfair, too, because, you know, they were in a bad situation when Daniel Jones could put up 300 yards. Right. Don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure he didn't have that many cumulatively across the entire season. <laughs> as improved as he was, correct. <laughs> pretty busy offseason for the Vikings. Uh, departures in free agency included Dalvin Tomlinson, defensive tackle, longtime wide receiver Adam Thielen. Patrick Peterson at cornerback, Eric Kendricks, linebacker, and also Dalvin Cook, their star running back, all left in free agency. The additions I have headlined by Brian Flores, their new defensive coordinator, which I think could be the most impactful move that they've made this offseason. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, the tight end, is uh, they didn't acquire him this offseason, but they, he, they traded for him uh, midseason last year. Also brought in Josh Oliver, another tight end, Byron Murphy, corner, Marcus Davenport, defensive end, and Dean Lowry, also a defensive end. And then in the draft, they used their first-round pick, 23rd overall on Jordan Addison, wide receiver out of USC. And uh, in the third round, they took Makai Blackman, cornerback, also out of USC. So a lot going on, a lot of movement. On offense, they'll hope that the, the the rookie Addison can fill those big shoes left by Thielen and also hope that Madison can step up to the void left by uh, Dalvin Cook. But the reality is, as long as they have the Cousins to Justin Jefferson connection, uh, this offense will be able to move the ball just fine. Where I see more potential issues, or at least questions, is on the defense, where they've Swapped out a lot of personnel, but uh, the biggest one being Brian Flores, the new D.C. And if he can get these guys playing better and more consistently, then uh, the Vikings, even if they have a worse record, could be a more legitimate team uh, this season. I mean, they they addressed they did their best, let's say, to address the holes that, you know, that they left by all the people that were leaving. They they drafted some positions that for depth and, and clarity on the team. So on paper, they still look pretty solid. Yeah. And I have to agree. I think bringing in Brian Flores was a great move. And if the defense can do half as well as the offense has been doing, like there's no reason. I think the Vikings take the division again this year, personally. Oh, Hey, spoilers. We've got our preview show coming up later this week. <laughs> but yeah, this is, I'm going to struggle with this one, uh, mostly because of my blatant homerism. But, you know, 
I agree, though. I do agree that the Vikings uh, are looking good coming into the year. Second place last season were the Detroit Lions. Uh, they finished with a 9-8 and eight record. Everybody's playoff sleeper uh, last offseason, but they got out to a terrible start at 1-6. and six. But, uh, you know, Dan Campbell isn't going to let those guys play at that low level for long. They did get things turned around at the end of the year on an awesome, actually, 8-2 and two stretch including a Week 18 road win at Lambeau Field that ended their division rival Packers playoffs hopes and would end up being Rodgers' final game in the green and gold. I think uh, a lot of raised eyebrows a couple years ago when they sent uh, Matt Stafford, their franchise quarterback, to the Rams and got Jared Goff back, uh, plus some draft picks. But Goff has been legitimately good in Detroit. Last year, you could argue, was his best as a pro. He threw for 4,400 yards, a career-best 29-7 uh, touchdown-to-interception ratio. And it was mostly the offense that powered their success. And this is another team that had a lot busy, busy offseason. Like we already mentioned, they traded TJ Hawkinson at the deadline last uh, during the season. This, uh, this summer, this offseason, they traded DeAndre Swift. Uh, running back to the Eagles. They also let Jamal Williams walk in for agency, the running back who just broke Barry Sanders' single-season touchdown record, or franchise record anyway. Mike Hughes, cornerback. DJ Chark, wide receiver. And then also Jamison Williams they won't have available for the first six games of the year for uh, due to hit violations of the league's gambling policy. In terms of additions, they brought in Cameron Sutton, corner. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, another corner. David Montgomery, running back. Marvin Jones, receiver, comes back to town. And then Teddy Bridgewater will be the new backup QB. A lot of high draft picks. They took Jameer Gibbs, 12th overall, running back out of Alabama. Then a few picks later, 18th overall, they took Jack Campbell, linebacker out of Iowa. And then in the second round, early second round, 34th overall, they took Sam Laporta, tight end, also out of Iowa. So, Matt, what... What say you about your playoff sleeper from last year that we're so close to actually making it? I think they're going to sit right about where they're at again this year. I think they lost a lot of pieces. Everyone thought once Hawkinson was gone, the team was going to tank. And ironically, that's around the time the team kind of turned the corner. Mm -hmm. And they got better. I think it was kind of foolish. I understand letting Swift go like as much as that hurt high draft pick running back. Uh, what I thought was foolish was letting Jamal Williams go. I don't yep. understand why they didn't, they didn't try to do something there, but in turn, they got Jameer Gibbs. And then David Montgomery has been solid in Chicago for a yeah. long time. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they're, they're right. They're, they're where they're at, where they finished last year is where they're going to finish this year. Um, the defense, as you touched on, is just what cost them so many games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it's going to take some time for everything to start to gel. But Glenn has, I would argue, the most pressure on him. Because totally, Campbell yeah. has proven what he can do with the offense. But now yeah, Glenn so. has to turn around and make this defense be able to keep pace. Yeah, I was a little surprised they brought back Aaron Glenn, but <clears throat> they give him some new new pieces to work with, maybe some personnel upgrades at, at cornerback, you could argue. But, uh, yeah, that's going to be the biggest issue, I think, for them. They 
they have, you know, a similar, very similar offensive pieces coming into the year. They do have an excellent O-line. Um, and then, yeah, it's up to the defense to um, play a little better. And maybe they could compete more if they could, you know, start the year like how they ended last season. They could uh, be more in, in the mix for a playoff spot uh, this year. Okay, here we go. This is the big one. The one you've all been waiting for. The Green Bay Packers, 8-9 and nine last season. If you can recall, about 12 months ago, their very first offensive snap of the season was a bomb from Rodgers to second-round pick Christian Watson. Great throw. He had run a great route and just completely burned his defender, left him in the dust. However, the ball went right through his hands, fell incomplete, and the Packers would only score seven games in that loss. Um, and that really set the tone, I think, for... It was a really anemic offense the entire year. Rodgers and his young Devontae Adams, less receiving core, they really failed to get on the same page. And uh, this team was especially poor in the red zone. They had a touchdown rate of, of 51% in terms of their red zone possessions, and that was bottom 10 in the league, not where we're used to seeing uh, Rodgers in this offense. And they couldn't even run the ball that well, even though they have a pretty impressive duo of starting running backs with Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon as well. Uh, so that was pretty disappointing. Equally disappointing was the Again. defense. Again, the defense failed to live up to the standards or expectations. Once again, under Joe Barry, the coordinator, even though they have a unit full of former first round draft picks. And like some great pieces too. Yeah. If you like, I think players. we have one of the best secondaries. I think we've got a really good front four. Like, and just leave it to us being able to hire terrible defensive coordinators <laughs> and to keep not them. make That's this work. Right. I'm so frustrated. So, How does this guy have a job? I don't know. How does he still have a job? Yeah. Uh, and so they were four and eight after week 12. Playoff hopes were slim, but they launched an improbable four game winning streak, including wins over uh, good teams like Miami and Minnesota put their fate back into their own hands at eight and eight heading into that week 18 game against the lions, just win at home and they would have punched their ticket to the postseason. Uh, however, we all know how that went. <laughs> so let's just move on. In case you don't know, they didn't do it. They lost that game. <laughs> <laughs> Rogers, Cobb, Lazard, actually we're about to get into all the guys that left after that. <laughs> um, Okay, yeah, the big news of the offseason. Yeah, they all were like, we lost to the Lions, that's it. We're, we have to get a new team now. <laughs> we can't. Uh, so, yeah, Aaron Rodgers traded to the Jets. They had, a in return, a first-round pick swap this year, and they'll most likely get the Jets' uh, first-round pick next year, unless somehow Rodgers plays fewer than 65% of offensive snaps. And he took with him um, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Adrian Amos, I'm pretty sure there's others, but th those are the okay. main ones. Bunch of players, bunch of starters from the Packers uh, <laughs> departed in for agency, ended up in New York as well. They also lost uh, Jaron Reed, defensive end, Robert Tunyon, tight end, and then Mason Crosby, the kicker, they allowed to leave in for agency too. I don't think he has a new team yet, so maybe they end up just signing him again, but uh, I don't know. He was pretty good still last year. I don't quite get that one. How much? It's not like kickers cost that much. Well, it, it's like anything, right? The longer you're on the team, though, like you get a little bit more each year. 
Yeah. Anyway, he's gone. Um, you know how the Packers are in free agency. About as active as me on, on the job. Not much going on. They, About as useful as Bing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, good one. That's, that's better. Uh, they signed Matthew Orzek, long snapper. <laughs> so there you go. Locked into a three-year deal. And then in the draft, uh, they had a pretty interesting draft. They took another defensive player in the first round. 13th overall, Lucas Van Ness, defensive end out of Iowa. Second round, they took Luke Musgrave, tight end out of Oregon State. And then in the, I think the third round, they ended up taking a receiver, uh, Jaden Reed. So, all right. Outlook for 2023. The Jordan Love era is officially upon us. He's been sitting behind and presumably learning from Aaron Rodgers the past three years. We've gotten glimpses of him over that time. A 2021 loss to the Chiefs last year, uh, half or so against the Eagles in which he looked good. Uh, but other than that, it's been mostly preseason action we've seen. But this preseason, we got to see him with the starters. And he's looked he's looked really good. I mean, for whatever that's worth, he's been very good in the preseason. And uh, it's a youth movement for a, a lot of this offense. The receiving core consists of Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, who were both rookies last year. And then Jaden Reed is projected to be the slot guy who was who will be a rookie this season. Also a pair of rookie tight ends, including Musgrave, who they took in the second round. I don't know. I'm excited about it. There's good vibes out of camp and preseason. Maybe that's what you get when you have a bunch of, you know, early 20-year-olds instead of Aaron Rodgers <laughs> leading everything. Grumpy. Yeah. So I'm excited about I'm excited about the offense and, um, you know, what, what love's going to look like. But the defense is still run by Joe Barry, so I have little oh hope. Oh my god! Little hope of improvement on that side of the ball, despite but he can't all the hide behind Rodgers' typical success. That's what I've always, I've always waited for this moment of either Barry <laughs> finally getting fired or Rodgers either retiring or or leaving town. But like, that's why Dom Capers lasted so long is because Rodgers had success. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's easy to cover up flaws in a defense when you're winning the games and you're entering the postseason. Right. You can't <laughs> do that anymore unless, for some reason, love has the magic touch, and then it's like, yay, the team still got it, but boo, Barry keeps his job. <laughs> right, <laughs> double-edged sword there. Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly feels like without Rodgers, they're going to have to play more as a team and be way more balanced. So, I don't know, hopefully either Barry figures it out or finally gets fired, and then and then next year they can have a good defense. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm uh, cautiously optimistic about the Packers. I don't, I don't think I'm going to pick them to win the division, uh, which we'll talk about in an upcoming episode, but I think they'll be second or third in flirting with the playoffs. All right, the, our final team, the well, our actual hometown. This is the city we lived or grew up closest to, anyway. The Chicago Bears, three and fourteen last year, uh, kind of a year of transition for them in 2022 and, and roster evaluation as they were under their new head coach, uh, first-time head coach Matt Eberflus, who was from the uh, the Colts, defensive coordinator there. They actually surprisingly started the season with a win over the 49ers that essentially ended Trey Lance's career. <laughs> 
now that we look back at it, yeah. That's, yeah, that's that was the last happened. game he started and finished for San Francisco. Um, but anyway, the Bears were actually 2-1 and one through the first three weeks of the season, but they'd only win one more the rest of the way, ended the year losing their final 10 in a row on the way to the, uh, earning the number one draft pick, which they eventually traded away, of course. Um, but at the trade deadline, with the season already pretty much lost, they started shipping out some really good players like Roquan Smith, the linebacker, who they didn't want to pay, and uh, Robert Quinn, defensive end as well, to sock up on some draft capital. I think the best thing in terms of, like, for, for Bears fans anyway, that you can say about last season is that quarterback Justin Field, Fields showed signs of improvement as a passer while just continuing to dominate opposing defenses with uh, his, his running skills. Uh, on the ground alone, he had 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns, which is more than a lot of running backs. And he was ripping off some big ones, too, like 60-yard touchdown runs over and over again. It's just crazy to watch. He's he's insanely talented. Uh, so this offseason, I already mentioned they traded away those guys at the deadline last year. Also, David Montgomery left in free agency, the running back, and then Riley Reef, offensive tackle. They brought in a ton of players, and this is where it gets exciting <clears throat> if you're a Bears fan. Uh, Chase Claypool was someone they traded for from the Steelers, young receiver um, at the deadline last year. And this offseason, uh, yeah, like I just mentioned, they traded away the number one pick to the Panthers for a huge haul, including DJ Moore, who was their top receiver and will, will now be the Bears' number one guy. Best receiver they've had in a while. Uh, they also signed in free agency Tremaine Edmonds, a starting linebacker from the Bills, and Nate Davis, offensive guard, Demarcus Walker, defensive end, TJ Edwards, uh, starting linebacker from Philly, and then um, Yannick Ngakwe. Pass rush. Oh, our guy. And yeah, this is going to give him bonus points uh, from this pod. He went on side for so long. It was weird. This guy just always produces good sack numbers. Uh, and, and this year, or at least to start the year, <laughs> the Bears will be employing his services. And then they had a good, good haul of draft picks, too. Tenth overall, they took Darnell Wright, offensive tackle out of Tennessee. They had a couple second round picks. Jervon Dexter, defensive lineman out of Florida, and then Tyreek Stevenson, corner out of Miami. So, like I said, really busy offseason for the Bears. I would say they really strengthened both sides of the ball. <clears throat> Fields definitely has the best receiving group uh, that he's had in Chicago with DJ Moore. Um, Darnell Mooney's still there. And then, then some youth upside with Claypool. Don't really know what they'll get from him. But they also made improvements along the offensive line. So this will be his best opportunity to, to make the leap as a passer, as well as what we've seen he can do on the ground. On the defensive side, you know, this is supposed to be their head coach, Iberflus, bread and butter. They could be starting five or six new players that they brought in compared to last year that hopefully, I mean, they should fit his, his Tampa 2 scheme as he was the guy approving these signings. So uh, given all that, I'd say there's reason for some optimism. Especially in a division like this, which there's no real dominant force anymore. Yeah, I would say that they're going to win way more than four games. I think they're they're going to be poised to be third or fourth in a division, but you know, in a good it's way. It's so hard to say with the way so many things shake out, and then you start to you don't even factor in injuries, right? Like in each on each team, there's just like two or three people that if they get hurt, that's it. That's true, yeah. So it's uh it's it's gonna be very strange. 
Yeah, definitely. It already is. We like we're not making fun of the Lions. Yeah, I mean Campbell has completely flipped the script uh, for them, which is great. Who are we making fun of now? I guess the Cardinals are becoming the new league punching bag. <laughs> Did you see? I saw some uh, some report that free agents were being told by other players, "Don't go there. Don't go to Arizona." <laughs> Well, wasn't it discovered, like, we talked about this, I don't know if it was this year or last year, like, yeah. don't they make players pay for their own food and stuff like that, like, with yeah. their rating facilities? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, they do. It's just weird. So, yeah, definitely the Cardinals are the new the new Lions. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, Matt, congratulations, we did it. <laughs> We made it through all the team previews and just barely in time. Um, this has been exhausting. This is by far the most heavily researched part of the show, so it's all downhill from here. <laughs> yeah. If you if you want a good content, well, it's over now. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed. It's it's just uh, reactionary takes and, and anger and fantasy frustration from here on out. <laughs> Actually, no, I won't say that. There's one more, a really good, just fun show coming up. So join Your us favorite next. favorite episode that we do every year. It is. It's so fun. Uh, the Season Predictions show, which will be uh, coming at you soon. Uh, this is where we'll make our division winner picks. We'll reveal our playoff sleepers uh, for 2023. Talk about or preview some individual awards, which we never get absolutely any of them right. But that, that's always a fun episode, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, you should look forward to it, too, and it'll be coming up into your feed uh, within the next few days. Oh, yeah. All right, so we'll see you then. And, uh, Matt, I'll talk to you soon. Till next time, everybody. Thank you for listening to the 2M Football Podcast with Matt and Mike. Don't forget to follow us on our social media, both Twitter and Instagram. Look for our photo at 2M Football Show. If you like what you heard, please tell your friends, family, and others who may be interested in listening to all of our shenanigans. And remember, we will see you next week on the Gridiron.